Guys, we're in Lesson 6. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. We're just going to spend all of our time looking at three verses. Verses 14, 15, and 16. Now, these are very, very important verses, what the uh, writer is sharing here. And I think it's uh, very important that he pauses for a moment. And you're going to see him actually do this throughout the letter, where he gives warnings, I mean strong warnings, about leaving the faith or living in unbelief and God's judgment and rest for those who who persevere and the encouragement to persevere. And then he'll give an encouragement. Boom. Like, okay, after I beat you up a little bit, I want to encourage you a little bit. Okay? So he's going to give us an encouragement because after the last two sections, you might be saying, oh, am I even saved? You know what I'm saying? Is it possible to be saved with what he's talking about? Okay? And so he's going to give us an encouragement here. Um, it's kind of false. You know, when you read it, it's almost like the Apostle John in 1 John, where he writes, My little children, I write to you that you sin not. You know? And then he says, But if you sin, here's, here you have an advocate. Okay? And actually, we're going to refer to that passage here in a moment. So we're going to talk about the high priest. Now, remember again who the letter is written to. It is written to Jews who were Christians, who professed faith in Christ, who were now thinking about leaving Christianity to go back to just obeying the law. And, and so that's primarily who it's, it's written here to, and that will help us a lot with what we're looking at. So let's look at these three verses. I'm going to read them to you, and then we're going to go through here and see exactly who our high priest is and what is the benefit of him being our high priest. Look with me at verses 14 and 15, first of all. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, so let's talk about the high priest here. First thing I want you to see is, is the writer expresses that we have a great high priest. Now, this is one of the areas that we differ from those who hold to Roman Catholicism, okay? Roman Catholicism, uh, you have a priest that you go to who makes intercession for you, okay? As Protestants, we do not believe that we have to go to any earthly priest, Do you understand? We don't have to go to any earthly priest because we have a great high priest who makes intercession for us. And so this is the point that the writer is expressing here is that you and I have a great high priest. Now, a high priest, just so you understand what a high priest is, a high priest served as an intercessor between God and the people. So you and I do need to have an intercessor between God and us, okay? But unlike what I said with Roman Catholicism, it's not a human priest or with Greek Orthodox, okay? It is rather someone else, and we're going to see who it is here in a moment. We need somebody who will mediate between us and God. Now, passing through the heavens, the phrase there, 
The phrase passing through the heavens, when you look at verse 14, do you, everybody see that in your Bibles there? Okay. When it says we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that phrase there, who has passed through the heavens, refers to access to God. It refers to a priest who has access to God. Here's somebody who has had almost, I, can't, I don't want to say physical access, but has, because God, God is a spirit, okay, but has access to God. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? He can literally be in the presence of God, all right? And we know that because where is Jesus now? Anybody from the New Testament? Let me test your New Testament knowledge. What? Yeah, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. He's with the Father. In fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and it shows you the throne room of God, and you see, you see God the Father seated on the throne. You see the presence of the Holy Spirit and the, and the seven spirits there. And then you see the Lamb who was slain. It's all right there in the throne room. Okay? Now, as high priest, he has unlimited access to God. As high priest, he has unlimited access to God. So we have a high priest who passes through the heavens, so that means he has access to God, and then he has unlimited access. So it's not like he's got a certain time schedule that he can only get with the Father, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? He, he can have unlimited access to him. So then, in verse 14, he tells us the identity of the high priest. The writer identifies our high priest as Jesus, the Son of God. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. You and I mess up. Does everybody understand that? We sin. There's not a human being here that does not sin. And all sin is worthy of condemnation. All sin is to be punished. And when you and I sin, I just want you to understand this for your spiritual life. When you and I sin, our relationship with God is affected. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's affected because of our sin. But you and I have someone who mediates. Do you understand what a mediator is? Okay, we hear about that kind of stuff in the news, like when, you know, when the baseball union, the players union, why, you know, is upset. They need a mediator to mediate their contract, or we're going to have a strike and no season to watch baseball, okay? Or no season to watch football or hockey or whatever, okay? So they have a mediator. You guys understand that term. We have that in our workforce, even around here type thing, or even in relationships. You'll see when somebody goes to sue somebody, they'll say, they'll send it to arbitration. Okay? And a mediator will be there to what? An arbitrator will be there to find a settlement. That's what Jesus is for you and I. Again, I don't need to go to a human being. You know, I'm your pastor. You don't need to come and dump your stuff on my desk. Okay? Now, if you maybe want to do that if you're needing help to overcome it, but even then I don't really want to know your stuff. Do do, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't dump your stuff on me. Somebody's got to carry it. I don't want to carry it, okay? Let Jesus carry it, okay? You go to Jesus, all right? You go to Jesus. So he identifies our high priest as the Son of God, okay? Now, 
Here's the encouragement. Because he's our high priest, because he's the one who intercedes for us. Okay, let me just go back. In, in, your, in your notes there, I've got 1 John 1 to 2. He says, my little children, these things I write to you that, so that you sin not. And then if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So, I mean, there you see, that's, that's, that's the kind of relationship that Jesus has with God on our behalf. He's our advocate. Okay, he's our high priest. So now because of that, he's going to give us an encouragement, all right? Because of our relationship with the high priest, we are told to hold on to our confession, okay? So because of our relationship with the high priest, which is Jesus, right? You and I are told to hold on to our confession. And you're saying, okay, no, hold on a second, George. I kind of think I got an idea of what a confession is or, or what our confession, what exactly does that mean? The word confession means, refers to the faith or commitment to Christ we profess. The word confession refers to the faith or commitment to Christ we profess. So what does that mean? Every one of you here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you profess that he is your what? Savior and Lord. And you profess that there was a time when you gave your life to what? Christ. And you made a commitment to what? Follow him. So here's the encouragement there. Because you have a great high priest who intercedes on your behalf to God. And specifically here, he's talking about interceding in light of your what? Sin. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hold on to your confession. Now, do you understand where he's going with this? He's going to tell us why. Why should you hold on? He's going to talk about the high priest and his identification with us. Okay? Now, the concept of identification is throughout the New Testament. It is throughout the New Testament. Jesus identifies with us. And because he identifies with us, he's then the perfect sacrifice for us. He's also our high priest. Do you understand? He understands and identifies with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, for instance... How many of you have gone through a, a, a tragic situation or, or a struggle of some type, and then you know somebody else who's going through that, and you can sit there and say, hey, I understand what they're going through. I identify with them. Okay? You know, do you know what I'm saying? And you may even say that. I've been through that. That's what it means as far as identification. So let's see the high priest here. How does he identify with us? First of all, the writer stresses that our high priest is not above us in our experiences. So does everybody understand that? Jesus was not just some floating spirit. He was a human being, fully human, yet fully God. So therefore, he slept, he ate, he 
He experienced hunger. Okay? So, he had human experiences like you and I do. So, he's not above us in our experiences. So, he identifies with us. In fact, notice what he says. It says there, uh, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay? So, here's the point. Our high priest understands our weaknesses. Okay. Um, can you tell me, do, you, do, do people truly know your weaknesses? I mean, first of all, will everybody admit you have weaknesses? Okay. Now, somebody will say, well, I understand. Do they really understand? Okay. I mean, they don't understand what's going through your mind. They don't understand what's going on through your body. They don't understand completely what's going on with you. All right? The writer of Hebrews is saying to us is that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He understands. That word sympathize means he understands. He understands our weaknesses. So Jesus is probably the only one in the world who truly understands what you're going through and why you struggle in the area that you struggle. You can go to a counselor and he can, he can, based on a case study of several thousand people or whatever, come up with some conclusions as to maybe why you're heading in this direction or whatever, but he still doesn't truly understand exactly why it is with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? But Jesus does. Now, that's a freeing thing, isn't it? Because have you ever tried to talk to somebody about what you're struggling with? And you're like, on the back of your mind, you're sitting there talking, and they're, oh, they're sympathetic. Oh, well, yeah, I'll take, you know. And, and, And in the back of your mind, you're saying, after you're done having the conversation with them, they have no clue. They say they do, but they really don't understand. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? All right, all right, listen to me. When you and I pray to God, you don't need to wonder if he understands. You don't need to wonder if he truly knows what the issues are in your life. You don't need to wonder if he truly understands what the issues are. He understands. He sympathizes because he experienced them himself. That, that's awesome. But let's be honest. The last person that we're going to talk to about our weaknesses is who? God. Right? Because we're ashamed of our weaknesses. We're ashamed of our whatever it is that we fall to or whatever our problem is. And so the last person we want to talk to is God about it. But actually he's the first person we should talk to about it. Right? Because he does understand. He understands exactly where you are. He understands exact. He understands more about you than you know about yourself. So, Jesus, here's why he can sympathize with us. Jesus, our high priest, was tempted in every way as we are. Jesus, our high priest, was tempted in every way as we are. 
So Jesus faced all the temptations. Remember, Paul would tell us there's no temptation except that which is common to man. Jesus faced all of the temptations in every way as we did. In fact, you know, you could see the big three that he faced with Satan in the wilderness. Those basically cover the gamut of what this world has to offer. Pleasure, power, and position. He faced all of it. Okay? That's how he's able to. It's like he could face all of that just as we are. But here's the, even though he faced temptation, he did not sin. There's a big debate today as to whether or not Jesus could have sinned. Some believe people believe that he could have. How can you be a human being and not sin? Well, the problem is, that's true if you had a normal birth. But was Jesus' birth normal? If you go to Psalm 51, David says this about himself when he makes his uh, his confession of sin. There, He said, in in sin I was conceived. Now, some people say, oh, he must have been a bastard child. No, no, he was the youngest of older brothers, so it wasn't. What was he talking about there? We are born with a what? Sin nature. We're born with a bent towards what? Sin. So, for instance, when you have little ones and they get to be toddlers and they're with other toddlers and all of a sudden they're fighting each other about a toy, who taught them that? Did you have somebody right before they got together, okay, now this is how you fight? This is how you pitch a fit? Okay. When they first told you the first lie, did you go running around the house looking for... Did you teach them how to lie? Did you know what I'm saying? Where did that come from? We're not born good, folks. We're not born good. We have a propensity and a tendency towards, and a bent towards what? Sin. But that's not true for Jesus. Jesus didn't wasn't born normal. He was conceived of who? The Holy Spirit. So he would actually be what we would call perfect humanity. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, except a little bit different even from them, because Jesus is not just fully human, but he's also fully God. He's the God-man. And so, yes, he could be tempted, and he was, but he could not sin. Okay? He could not sin. So even though he faced every temptation, he did not sin. Now, somebody might say this. I could already hear the question. Well, yeah, how's he going to know what I'm experiencing if he doesn't experience what I experience when I do wrong? Think about how silly that is. That's like saying you have to be an alcoholic in order to understand alcoholism. No, you don't have to. I can understand what led to your alcoholism. Jesus, even more so, can understand the temptations of what led to it. He doesn't have to experience that. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there, you know, the, it's sort of like, I remember this, I remember uh, I, I heard Jack Wurtson when he came to Liberty. He had appeared on a TV show, one of those talk shows, and they were talking about pornography and Jack Wurtson, the founder of Word of Life, uh, said very clearly, um, 
that, you know, he didn't, he, he was speaking out against pornography. And they said, well, have you ever looked at it? How can you speak out against it unless you've looked at it? And Wurtzen said, no, I, I've never looked at it. You don't have to take the cap off a sewer to know that it smells. Do, do you know what I'm saying? You don't have to go in there to know that it smells. And so Jesus experiences the temptation, but he doesn't have to experience the experience to understand what you're going through. He understands, because he understands what led you to it. He understood what was going through your mind, through your heart, through your body. Did you understand? So even though he faced every temptation, this is the interesting thing about our 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 Jesus as high priest. He he did not sin. He's perfect humanity. Okay? Now, here's the benefit to you and I. So this is where we're going to spend. Let's look at verse 16. Here's the benefit. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let's talk about the benedict. Here's the imperative. The writer calls us to come before God's throne of grace in prayer. All right, so stop. Let's stop. Let's get, this, let's get the progression going on through here in our mind. Back in the first part of 6, he's warning that just like the Hebrews in the wilderness generation, because they didn't believe God, because they rebelled against him, even though they saw who he was, even though, quote, they could believe in him, but they still did their own thing. They did not inherit the rest. And so he's saying, you know, if you rebel, if you if you act out of unbelief, you're not going to inherit the rest. So, again, that's going to raise a question. Well, what if I'm a true believer? I, I struggle. but So you have a high priest who understands, who understands your weaknesses. And he was tempted, but he didn't sin. So now here's what you got to do with that. He tells us, you guys got to go to pray. You got to go to God and pray. You got to go to God and pray. Because here's the tendency. When you look at what's going on in your life, and you look at the junk that's happening in your life, and you look at the struggles, and it's like, man, relentless, relentless. When am I ever going to break this cycle? When am I going to break this cycle? When am I going to break this cycle? I'm always on my face, always in the mud. I'm always tripping up. When am I going to break this cycle? When am I going to break this cycle? It's easy to finally say, what's the use? Right? Isn't that easy? Here's what he's saying. Man, you got a high priest who intercedes for you, who has access to God. And he understands completely what you're going through because he was tempted to, but he didn't sin. Now here's what you got to do with it. Here's what he's saying. you got to pray. Don't throw in the towel. you got to pray. you got to come before God's throne of grace and pray. You gotta come before God. And notice, that's how the Bible listed here. Throne of grace. Anybody know what grace is? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Okay? So that's, that's already should be in the forefront of your mind 
that when you go before God's throne, he will give you what you what? Don't deserve. It is a place of grace. Okay? A place of grace. So he calls us to come before the throne of grace in prayer. Now here, he tells us how to come. He tells us, the writer tells us, that we're to come boldly into God's presence. Now, you know, I'm 48, but I can still remember my young years when I messed up. And when my parents found out, or my mom would say something like this, well, you wait till your dad gets home, okay? All right? Now, I can remember when daddy got home, and I had, and I was told, come on down here. And I can remember, there wasn't no walking in there like with an attitude. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? There was a sheepishness, okay? How many of you know what I'm talking about, that sheepishness, okay? Because it's like, can I slink in the room and hide in a corner? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for the time machine to warp me back so I didn't do what I got in trouble for, right? All right. Or cover it better. You know what I'm saying? So, um, here, here's the thing. That's our tendency with God, isn't it? We get sheepish about the junk in our lives. Here we are encouraged to not just come and pray, but to come and pray boldly. Now, of course, you you don't recognize who you're talking to. You're talking to the God of the universe, so you're not going to be walking in, yo, man, what's happening? You're not going to do that with God. But you don't need to cower. You don't need to be fearful. You just need to come to God and pray. That's really the last thing we do, right, isn't it? Have you noticed that? We need to go and pray. And look, to come boldly means that we can enter God's presence with confidence. That's what it means to come in there with confidence. I can walk in there not with a haughty attitude, but I can walk in there with a confidence. What am I confident about? I'm confident that Jesus paid the price for my sins and that I'm saved. And that there's nothing in me that's worthy of my being in front of you, God, except Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? My confidence isn't in myself. Everybody, you understand what I'm saying? Think to yourself right now. Say these words to yourself. I have no confidence in myself and in my flesh. Isn't that what Paul said? I have no confidence in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? If you're confident about your, well, I'm doing okay. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because to truly understand grace and to truly understand salvation, you have to come to a point where you recognize I'm helpless. I'm helpless. And I need you, Jesus. So when I come boldly, I'm coming in boldly, not because of me, but because of who? Because of Jesus. All right? That's what he's saying here. To come boldly means that we can enter God's presence with confidence. Now, the writer tells us to come into God's presence so that we can obtain what? Mercy. 
Okay, think about it. We said earlier in our lesson, we said we all have junk in our lives. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have th- things. We don't sit around and communicate them. We don't wear T-shirts that say, this is my problem, okay? Live with it, you know? We, we've got, we know what the junk is in our life that we, we, we struggle with, that we deal with. What do we need? Mercy. Mercy. Because it's blaring at us. And it's the stuff that the enemy comes to you and says, how can you call yourself a Christian? How can you say you love Jesus? You keep doing the same thing over and over. It's blaring at us. One of the most beautiful passages for me is in the prophet Zechariah of the Old Testament, where Joshua, the high priest, is standing before the angel of the Lord, and his garments are dirty, which signifies his sin is there before him. And Satan, the accuser, is there accusing accusing Joshua, the high priest, before the angel of the Lord. And the passage says this. I think this is the most wonderful statement in the Bible that is so powerful. Basically, the angel of the Lord tells Satan to shut up. And he says this. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And then he calls for Joshua to be clothed in white and to have a new turban put on his head. That is awesome. You and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, are brands plucked from the fire. And yes, you mess up, and yes, you're struggling. But there is mercy at the throne room of grace. And Jesus tells Satan to shut up. Did you understand what I'm saying? So where's your confidence? Isn't that awesome? Man, don't we need to hear that. We need to hear that, don't we? And so the writer tells us to come into God's presence so that we can obtain mercy. And you know what? You're going to receive it there. That's what confidence brings out. You know that mercy is there. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like the sense, like you, you, you like I used to love to go visit my Oma, my grandmother, my German grandmother. Oma is a German word for, for, for grandmother. I used to love to go visit my Oma, okay? And I love to go visit my Oma because even if I did something wrong, my Oma would still love me. She would still think that I was the greatest thing and that I could do no wrong. Some of you have had Omas in your life, you know. Do you know what I mean? And you just knew. Yeah, I messed up, but I got Oma. You know what I'm saying? That's Jesus. That's God. You can run to Him and find what? Mercy. That's awesome. Let's go on. We are also to come into God's presence to find grace to help us in our needs. Anybody here got no needs? How many of you would say right now, my life's perfect, I got everything I need. Not struggling in any way. Can you raise your hand for us? 
we'd like to know your secret. Because that's not real, right? All of us got needs. We got needs we're not talking about. We got needs that nobody else knows about, but we do. We got to come to pray. Get mercy and get grace to help us with our needs. Is that not awesome? That is so awesome. That's our Jesus. So hang on. Let's go back. Hold fast your confession. Does that want you to hold on? When you think about what he does for you, didn't I tell you these were important verses? Hold on. Don't give up. Don't give up. All right. 